The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you by Suzanne Giesman's free online video event with the Shift Network. Three keys to unlock your powers of mediumship. Go to unityonlineradio.org Suzanne to sign up today. Discover hope and healing from the other side. Welcome to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another episode. I hope you're having as good a day as I am talking to you today from beautiful Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, where I hope to move into my new house in about three weeks. Finally, Ty and I are getting a little tired of living in the bus, I have to tell you. But this show has gone on every week, and I'm so excited about our guest today. Janet Nohavik is standing by, but I want to share something with you, two things first. You heard that little radio announcement there about my class with the Shift Network. It actually started yesterday, but they're taking sign-ups for another two weeks, and oh, it was a great start, and you didn't really miss anything if you sign up now because they recorded it, and you still can watch the video and join in with everybody. So check that out. And I want to tell you that... um, I got an email today just to show you how spirit works from a woman who was very concerned about a family member. And she asked me if I thought a reading might help that person. And I actually didn't. I felt that what that person needed was the grief reattachment therapy that we discussed on this show with Rochelle Wright on August 8th. That was just the guidance I received from my guides when I tuned into that. And I thought, oh, but darn, Rochelle only does her sessions in person. And I read further down in the email, and the woman who wrote to me said that her loved one uh, was on their way as she wrote that email to a course in Tacoma, Washington. And if you read, if you listen to that program, you know that Rochelle Wright is in Washington State, just a stone's throw from Tacoma. So I hooked them up and hopefully that'll work out. But I just love that we call them God winks. I mean, what are the chances that person would be on their way to Rochelle right now? And I just want to let you know that we talked about Rochelle training other psychotherapists in her therapy. She's offering her last class of the year, October Oh, just next week. Yeah, she might still have some openings coming up. So check out uh, that August 8th episode we did right there on your screen with Unity Online Radio, and you can find the link to Rochelle. So 
Let's get to current day right now. Janet Nohavik is my guest, and I'm so honored. Those of you who've, who've read my story or watched the Messages of Hope documentary actually saw Janet in that video because she blessed us by uh, coming on and reenacting the scene when I made my very first connection with the spirit world. I have to tell you all, if it weren't for Janet Nohavik, I would not be a doing this show today. I wouldn't be working as a medium. The ripples just spread out. And Janet was that catalyst when she said to me in that, on that fateful day in her class, there's a spirit standing here. I need somebody to come up and tell us what you sense. Suzanne, come on up to the front. And I really was a little bit uh, <laughs> perturbed at her putting me on the spot like that, but it opened everything up. And Janet is an amazing teacher. Janet, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And it was an amazing day, and I'm sure a part of a, a bigger plan. So it was all meant to be. I, I truly believe that, and you are one of the the several people who have been so significant in my journey who showed me about the fact that there is a bigger plan. And I'm so excited to share with you everybody today. Janet, for those of you who aren't familiar with her, has been a practicing medium for 25 years. And what I so admire about you, Janet, is you truly stand for the proof of continuity of life. And you've done that since before it was popular. Uh, it's truly impressive reading your biography, over 10,000 private sessions, over 1,000 public demonstrations of mediumship. That one blows me away. And you're just tireless. Well, I love what I do. So you never yeah. work a day if you love what you do. I love that. Well, for those who aren't familiar with you and even those who've heard your story, I want to hear it again anyway, because it's just so fascinating. I'm just going to let you go back to the beginning and start with the fact that what drew you to my attention was the fact that you're now a practicing medium, spiritualist minister, and we'll talk more about that later. But you began your working life as a Catholic nun. So Catholic nun turned spiritualist medium is quite a switch. You want to go back to wherever you feel it's appropriate to start and tell people how you ended up here? Sure. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Um, I would have to go back to being a child. Um, me and my sister, uh, me first, would see uh, my grandfather who committed suicide. Um, and back in, in the faith that we were at that time, suicides, never settled. If someone committed suicide, they were doomed to roam the earth forever and ever. So my mom was petrified that this grandfather uh, who had committed suicide was turning up. So Could know, I just interrupt a second? You, are, are you saying that back then that's what people believed, correct? That then is what people believed. And still some people, unfortunately, have that as a belief system that someone commits suicide and that soul was, you know, you know, tortured, um, will not be a peace, you know. So that was my mom's belief system. And, of course, that's not my belief system at all anymore. Uh, God understands, um, you know, uh, whatever our choices are in life, you know, and we're welcomed home in peace. Hopefully we finish our life, you know, as we have it in front of us. So that was our first encounter with the spirit, and I was petrified of it, you know. And, and um kind of got to put back on the back burner but then I heard a voice literally um, as I got older that said one night 
you are going to be a Roman Catholic nun. I have been sleeping and I woke up and I heard a voice in the corner of the room, as people have done historically or, you know, in their private lives. And I thought about it and I thought, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. And when I entered religious life, I said, well, maybe some of this other stuff is mystical experiences because, you know, priests and nuns and mystics have heard voices or the voice of God throughout time. So I kind of put it up to that, you know. Um, and I think that the comment was part of my story because I spent so many days and hours and weeks and months and years then just sitting in the quiet, talking to God, the saints, and the angels and asking them to talk back. And I didn't realize that that was actually a training ground for a medium. Um, because yeah. it's an achievement to trying to listen to a higher vibration. At that point, maybe not for mediumship, as we call evidential mediumship, but it certainly was an attunement to going into a quiet place and being aware, um, awareness of, you know, higher influences from the other side. Um, so after about five years, it was too restrictive for me, um, and I made a choice to go. Um, and that's when I encountered a medium who says, you've been seeing spirit people since you were a child. You know, there's this world of mediumship and spiritualism, and uh, you might want to look at it. And I was very leery of it. You know, I was very prayerful about it. I certainly didn't want to do anything against God. But, you know, today I look at it and say, you know, um, it, 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 I talk about rational spiritualism, which should include intelligence. and all I've done differently from the days of sitting in the common of talking to God, the saints, the angels, and saying, please talk back, is add grandma to the list now. Um, <laughs> and there's really nothing woo-woo or scary about it. And why would that be a bad thing? As you know, a lot of faiths still believe it's not okay. You know, why wouldn't grandma want us to know she's okay? You know, So, so it's evolved, um, and it certainly wasn't that smooth in its evolution. Um, but that's what it's evolved to. And I believe we all have an unseen group of helpers from the other side who want to help us get through this spiritual, material world life. And um, if we don't hook into it, we don't hook into everything that's available to us. Um, so it's important for everybody on the planet. Amen. Now, were you were seeing spirits even when you were in the convent and in training to be a nun, if that's the right word. I mean, can you share a couple examples and how you dealt with it at the time? Well, they had given me this task to, uh, the mother house was a massively beautiful building, um, old, old halls with nuns hanging on. And they kind of lost the history on some of the, the people that adorned the halls there. So they said, we want you to do this extensive research on this. And as I'm starting to research into these nuns that are you know, adorning these halls and then following the trail to where they're buried in the cemetery and stuff, they started to come alive to me a little bit, you know. <laughs> um, and that started to erase. But I, I started to think, well, this is just mystical now, you know. Um, certainly within religious life at that point as well, you were actually in prayer and asked for different saints, you know, uh, significant uh, you know, religious figures to, in your prayer, come and sit and be with you, you know, and I certainly had parochial experiences of that as well. So, you know, the silent is certainly not silent um, when you yeah. really do enter it. And for those of us who enter that, we certainly know it isn't, you know, so 
Um, it was very profound. I cannot say I associated the mediumship spiritualism thing. That was an aha moment that was come a little bit later. Um, but, you know, um, someone like St. John of the Cross, who they locked away in a closet and was crazy, and started he started to tune into the other side and wrote these beautiful, voluminous poems and, you know, um, beautiful spiritual words. And, you know, now he's St. John of the Cross, I have to say, you know. So, uh, or if we think of St. Joan of Arc, you know, who they said to her, tell us you never heard those spirits, we won't burn you with the stake. And she wouldn't deny them, you know. Throughout history and time, there have been stories of people that have heard these voices or had visits. So. Yeah. So now you, you're you no longer denying it. Somebody's told you you're going to be doing this. How did you unfold that then after you left the church? Uh, there was a local group. Um, a friend of mine had kind of a New Age bookstore, and they were sitting <clears throat> lovely group, but I I didn't realize at that point, it was kind of a random sitting, you know, with your hands upturned towards the heavens saying, please something, I hope something comes, you know. And I did <laughs> not at all give the credibility to the intelligence that responds to us, you know. Um, and hence I started to, you know, when I first started to look at it, A, was it of God and was it right for me to do it? So I spent a lot of prayer time in that. Um, and I was not really happy with the level of mediumship I was seeing. If I was going to do this, I had to do it to a really high, honorable level, you know. Um, I first found myself in Lilydale, and someone even there said, you need to go to England, um, where I encountered some mediums that were really at a very high caliber. Um, and, and you just made the point there that that's, that's what changed my life was meeting you. And saying, showing that there is a difference in the caliber of mediumship. And what made that difference is the evidence that you insist on. And that's what taught me that when we ask for the evidence, the spirit world gives it to us. I, I didn't realize there was that difference. So I, I credit you with that. Thank you. It's very important to me, you know, that there should be an intelligence behind what we do. And, and there is, there's no doubt to me there is. And, you know, I, I may be, uh, a, you know, a medium who has put a lot of time and effort into the involvement of my gift, but any time the intelligence from the other side to blow, decides to blow me away or the sitter away, it, it trumps anything that I can ever do, I have to say. I sit in awe of what happens between two planes of existence, you know. Um, why, and that's why don't you share one, a story with us, uh, an awesome story? Um. Uh, one always comes to mind, I have to say, it's one I've told before, but it's significant to my heart. I had been in church here on a Sunday, and I went to a woman in the audience, which we do as part of the service. A couple um, messages come for um, somebody in the audience. And, and, I, and I had a young man. He came with a pair of boots. Um, I, I started this communication, and the woman was inconsolably hysterical. Um, and you really couldn't continue the dem. And I gave her a wee bit more. And I stopped it and I said, you know, why don't we just speak after the services? Which we did. And I agreed she could come and see me privately. There'd be no fee. And um, uh, so she came for her session. And her son had died tra tragically in Afghanistan. He had thrown himself on a live grenade to save um, the people he was with. And... Um, 
first she, uh, and he kept telling his mom, stop being upset with my dad because the dad had encouraged him to enter the military and the mom mm-hmm. didn't want him to go. And um, he said, stop blaming my dad. I would have done this again. I did an honorable thing. Um, and it was, you know, you're part of a conversation that you're really not, you know, part of these lives, but you find yourself in the middle of as time goes yeah. on. Um, yep. And he said, you know, he, how much he loved his mom, but what he did that day, he really was an act of love, you know, and, and for him, it was honor, you know, and, and it ends up, you know, a spirit, I don't even know, um, someone that walked this planet. I want to stand up in this room and almost salute the honor of someone I've never met. And that moves me profoundly, you know, these experiences of when you meet someone with such courage and such compassion, you know, or the healing that we see takes place between a, a parent and a child that left things badly when, you know, the last breaths were taken and the healing that takes place between two plans of existence. But on that day, I wanted to stand up and salute a, a spirit, I have to yeah. say, and this experience, and it leaves me in awe. You know, it, it's yeah. never stopped leaving me in awe. Well, that's what I pray. May I never, never not be awed by this work. It's, it is. It's truly such a blessing. So you went to the Arthur Finley College, which I heard about through you. And then anybody who really gets into mediumship ultimately hears about it. And you're, you're, are you, you're still one of the few American teachers certified to teach there. Isn't that right? Yes. They gave me the privilege of after time being an approved overseas tutor, which I, you know, treasure and, you know, hold to very dear to my heart. And, you know, when I arrived there, I, I met a gentleman who said, you know, you give me a few years, I'll straighten you out. And, you know, my little ego didn't want to hear that. And I I'll straighten you out, he said. <laughs> yeah. who, wants, who wants to hear but, that from a teacher? I'll fix you. you. Know, nobody <laughs> wants to hear that. But, you know, I saw some mediumship. I was you know, in awe of, and, and I think that's been all part of a bigger plan because since that, you know, this cooperation between the British and the Americans have really brought the American standard in an upward march that has happened across the country, you know. Yeah, but you're part yeah. of that. I was thinking today, you know, we, we studied the pioneers of mediumship and Mavis Patilla, who's biography I wrote, Droplets of God. She talks about the great pioneers, but she's one of those now. And as I was thinking today, I thought, Janet, you're one now too, because you you brought this this emphasis on evidence to the U.S. and you've brought the, the Spiritualist Association's principles to the U.S. and I give you all the credit for that. Thank you. Well, I was bit just part of you know, we're the worker bees, you know, there's things we're supposed to do and we're supposed to do the work. And, you know, it's been my honor and privilege to be part of it, you know, but I really do believe America, as far as evidential mediumship is on its way back up in a very strong way. And I think there's a purpose to it. I think that intelligence from the other side uh, has a purpose for what's happening next with all of it, you know. What do you so, see that so, purpose uh, as? So I, um, I did the process, continued process of unfoldment, and I encourage, you know, you can't just take a class and think I can do this. It's a, it's on a deep soul spirit level, and it takes years of unfoldment to understand and come to, you know, develop and uh, a greater awareness of how to be used, you know, from the other side for 
this unique way we, uh, you know, become walkers between two worlds. So, um, and I respect the people that, you know, make it a life passion. Uh, those are the mediums that I respect. And, th and there are quite a few now, you know. Um, yeah. So it's been a fantastic voyage with all of that. Isn't it? Yeah. So let's see. So you, you took a series of courses at Arthur Finley College. And why don't you pick up the story from there? Um, I had always wanted a church. Um, you know, I started to have a good following and good practice. And there were a lot, not a lot of mediums that were out on the press. So it was it was still, you know, um, not so accepted, I'd have to say, if we go back 25 years ago. You know, you couldn't find most new age things at Barnes & Noble at that point. It was still a few more years before that was going to be able to come around. You know, it was still in great secrecy, not allowed. And I always wanted a church, and we had started a church and affiliated with the SNU. And, That's the Spiritualist um, National Union. Yeah, of great in, in England. Uh -huh. Yeah, because of their standard of mediumship, that was my choice rather than be independent or go with the American group at that point. And a gentleman had come to a service when we were in a New Age bookstore, and um, a message came through. I knew the day was different because I kind of said something in the contact. Um, just a minute, I'm going upstairs, and I said, I never say that. And uh, he ended up coming for a reading. I didn't know who the man was. Um, somehow he got in sooner than later for a reading and came for another reading, and he had lost his daughter tragically. And, um, you know, we developed somewhat of a friendship, not close, and they took me, him and his wife, to dinner for Christmas one year. Um, I still didn't really know who these people were, but we, it changed his vision of his daughter's death. He looked at the grave and it was the end. And that was no longer true for him. He had a dialogue with his daughter. He had what he called upstairs, downstairs dreams. She would come to visit him. He would go with her to visit her. Um, and it transformed his belief system. Um, he, he was a Catholic. And right before Christmas one year, they took me to dinner and said, um, how much money do you need for a church? And I said, in New Jersey, probably about $350,000 down payment. And he looked at his wife and he said, we're going to give it to you. And <laughs> um, I'm, I just, like, pinch me now. I just can't be real, you know. And um, we looked for a building. Um, he was extremely supportive. Um, the towns that we looked at did not want this group here. They were saying, why would we let this cult into our town? The division of civil rights from uh, the state of New Jersey got involved because it was discrimination, which you wouldn't think would be happening, you know, these yeah. recent times, but it was. And uh, we ended up getting this wonderful American Legion. Um, you know, it took time and effort. And like I said, um, uh, town meetings and, you know, they tried to bankrupt us to keep us out. And, so uh, let me just interrupt a second. You got an American Legion building that was for sale, and that's what you wanted yeah. to buy, but you needed the town yeah. approval, right? So, and that's when the Division of Civil Rights got involved, and it went down to a vote, and it was one man that was the deciding vote, and we were allowed in. Um, and hence, we turned this into the beautiful sanctuary where everybody is welcome, you know, and a half a million dollars later, the man stands in support of this, you know, meeting room, this church between two worlds, and 
we still have a close friendship and and many friends or couples that he meets who have lost children or loved ones that are grieving. So, I'm very, so that's, very blessed. that's the journey within church in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. And Janet, I have to tell you, hearing you tell this story, it's just bringing back so many memories. Uh, many of you know Janet's story. It's told in her wonderful autobiography, Where Two Worlds Meet. And uh, Janet gave me the honor of being her ghostwriter with with her on that so to interview you and hear all the details and i remember that scene where where we described the that scene where they're coming down to that vote it's just like you can't make this stuff up it was such a cliffhanger are they going to get their church or not and then you get it and <laughs> and to have to have been in your church to walk in it and feel the the sacredness of that that sanctuary that you've created and to to think that it almost didn't happen but you are just relentless you have you were a woman on a mission truly guided by god and that's why everything has worked out the way it has thank you yeah so everybody i encourage you to find where two worlds meet on you can get it on amazon and you look under janet no havoc her her website also is janet no did i interrupt you I was just going to say Through the Darkness is actually the autobiography. Oh, gosh. Um, I, I'm totally screwing that up, aren't I? Well, we just gave That's a plug okay. for Where Two Worlds okay. Meet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Through the Darkness is, is the autobiography because you certainly came through the darkness and emerged into the light. Where Two Worlds Meet is your story, your teaching of how to develop evidential mediumship. And I have to tell you, Janet, because I had a... You know, I, I put your teaching in your words into your book and helped you to write that. I have that book at events when I sell books. And I have had so many people come up to me and say, that is the best book of how to develop mediumship I've ever read. And everybody else nods their head. So you really have a, a winner with that book. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, so go ahead. It's just been uh, not a not the journey I expected, but an incredible journey as it's unfolded, you know, and and continues to unfold because obviously the story continues, you know, and uh, it's you know it's so many people come in and out, but you can't just be helped but moved, you know, and and I, I think one of the most unexpected beautiful aspects is a I've continued been able to continue to serve in a church. So even though I left the convent, you know, I, you know, I do weddings, I can be in this community that I love, um, but be in, a, in a, a world where there's so much focus on a material world, um, yeah. you can't help but be submerged in the spiritual. And that just transforms your walk a bit through this lifetime. You know, so many people yes, get disappointed, disillusioned yeah. with the material world. Well, we have to go into a break now, but when we come back, I want to share the news about possibly another church coming up with you and where you're going in the future. So everybody join us after the break. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Messages of Hope with Suzanne Giesman. Oh, gosh, everybody. I hope you're enjoying this chat with my original mentor, Janet Nohavik, as much as I am. Hearing her talk about the stories of, of how her church came together, everything that's told in her biography through the darkness, is just re, just reminded me so much of those magical moments. And Janet, we were talking on the break about what a moment that was. It's just like a fairy tale when you, you talk about that man saying, how much does it cost? How much do you need to start a new church? And and you told him $350,000, and he says, I'm going to give it to you. I mean, that just doesn't happen. No, nope, absolutely. It it doesn't happen, I have to say. So, I, you know, I think it was orchestrated from the other side, and he often says that. He says, you know, my, my daughter was very bohemian and into everything that was not ordinary, he said. And you're doing what you're doing, and he said, and, it, you know, I, I just think she's an angel from the other side. And the whole story was orchestrated between, you know, two planes of existence. So, But you like know. you said in, on the break, that would not have happened had you not been an evidential medium. If you hadn't given him the evidence that his daughter is here that he needed, then that whole string of events wouldn't have come about. Absolutely true. And that's why, you know, it, occasionally you'll go somewhere and they're talking about angels or spirit guides. Or, and I don't have a problem with that, but he needed the evidence. That would not have helped him. Yeah. So we talked about, you you know, the vote passed and you got your church because the, you had been discriminated against. They didn't want mediums and spiritualists in their community. Now, you fill that hall week after week. That's no small feat to, to fill a spiritualist yeah. church. So tell us what's happening now. Um, the church grew really well. We agreed if we got too busy, we would add services. So... We added another service to handle that, and it's becoming a, it became a very strong teaching center. People would come from you know all over the world to really improve their standard of mediumship, which is fantastic. And then locally, the the community that's here, the church, is great, you know. And and I had an interest myself in Lilydale. I had a house there for 20 years, trying to raise the standard of mediumship there. And a few years back. Um, I always wanted a retreat house somewhere and, um, you know, I prayed about it and wait, wait and pray about it. And I got involved in Hydesville where spiritualism began, which is in Newark, New York, not too far from Rochester. Um, and as the book would tell you, I'm very big into signs. Um, uh, nuns are into signs. I'm into signs, getting signs from the other side. And I was praying one day um, out by the Hydesville original Fox Cottage which had burned, um, and um, uh, I looked up in the sky, and those sky writers were making X's above the building where I was, where I was praying. Oh, my and gosh. I like, just kind of tucked that away and put it away, and um, there's a schoolhouse across from the Fox Cottage where the Fox girls would have gone to school. It's dated 1879, but on the property, there was a building pre that where they would have been, so they built a bigger school right where the school had been. And the girl who had bought this years ago, hoping to do something for spiritualism, had to get out of it. And she said, um, I need to sell the schoolhouse. If you don't buy it and do something for spiritualism, it's going to become a bar or an antique center. And mm -hmm. it's certainly not the thing I was looking to go do, to get involved with a project that's not close to where I am. It's four and a half hours away. 
and I prayed about it. And, you know, I drove up. It was kind of a cold night, and I was staying at the little hotel in town and was praying about the decision. And um, many of the people that know me know I love St. Teresa um, and the roses. Roses are a big sign for me. And I went to the hotel to stay, and the man that owns the hotel is always chatty. And he was talking about the history of the area, the lock system, because that whole area of New York State is called the Burnt Over District. It is known for spiritual revolution. Um, mm. The suffragettes were down the, in Seneca Falls when women were property and not free. Um, mm. The spiritualists, the free thinkers started in that region. And when women were not allowed to speak in America, spiritualists gave them a platform. And mm. one thing women could do was be mediums. And partly why spiritualism became a religion was to protect those women and protect those mediums. Um, so, so I was talking to the gentleman, and he said, do you know that Newark, New York, used to be the biggest supplier of roses to the world? <laughs> I was like, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a very famous, it eludes my name now, very famous rose company that imported around the world these roses and my signs just started to fall into place. And um, so uh, another benefactor came forward uh, to give me the deposit for that and just the deposit and I would need to raise $250,000 to restore it, which we're in process for. And You've actually, I prayed have you bought it. it? Oh yes, we own it. So this is going to be your second church? This is going to be a healing temple. Oh, and then cool. at the same time, I prayed and said, I wonder if there's a little church for sale, because it would be great to have a spiritualist church in the town where spiritualism began. Wow. And down the street, eight minutes away, was a church for sale. Oh, my gosh. So I went over there, and there was a gentleman named Pastor Dick and his wife who needed to sell the church. They were gravely ill. He was actually dying. And I prayed about it and got some more signs and um, someone else gave me the deposit to buy that. Um, just the deposits. <laughs> got mm-hmm. to figure the rest out. So now the journey within North is the church that is there. It's open and functioning as a church. And the schoolhouse is being restored um, in the name of spiritualism. And hopefully at some point we can put a museum there as well. Um, and it, to me, it's there's a new breath coming back into spiritualism, but more importantly to me, healing. Um, so I hate to say it's going to become the Woodstock of spiritualism, but it will become the Woodstock of spiritualism. <laughs> so the, your, so, this second church is actually doing spiritualist services now? Yes. And for well, those of you who aren't familiar with spiritualism, every spiritualist church service has a demonstration of mediumship in it. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Janet. Sure. Um, part, part of the philosophy of life, it wanted to be a philosophy, never intended to be a religion. It's just seven basic principles, a belief in God, a belief in uh, continuity of life, a belief in a ministry of angels. Um, part of every service is a healing service, looking to back put back into balance that which is out of balance. Um, you know, uh, we believe in spiritual healing from the creative force, whatever that concept God is to you, um, but also a ministry of angels and those, you know, on the other side um, who have an interest in the healing of us here, uh, our own ancestors. 
So there's always a healing service. There's always a, a little homily or a talk of inspiration, non-offensive to everyone because we're very universalist. Um, and then a demonstration of mediumship. Um, so, and there's never a fee for that. It's part of our belief system. So the medium comes to several people in the audience um, and a couple songs and then closing. So it's, it's a church that's communion with God in a different way, but it's a communion with bringing through people's loved ones. Um, so um, uh, that has been the tenet of, you know, uh, a very different kind of uh, place where everybody is welcome, you know. Wow. Um, and what is the name of this really church? Important. Excuse me? What is the name of this, this new church? Well, uh, we have the Journey Within in New Jersey. The new church is the Journey Within North. Ah. And the schoolhouse is the Hydesville Schoolhouse. And that was in, in really horrible, disparaging shape when we bought it. Um, the interior still is. So um, I'm meeting the architect on Tuesday. But, you know, I've got to raise, like I said, probably about $250,000 for that. So. You know, but where there's a will, there's a way, and where there's a plan on the other side, they wouldn't have sent me if they didn't have a way to manifest it. So I've just got to keep doing the work, you know. So um, yeah, I know that you know you don't, you'll never retire. This is this is what it's your calling. But where can people find out more information about those projects at JanetNohavik.com? If they go to JanetNohavik.com or they the Hydesville Schoolhouse. Dot org has a beautiful just finished website with everything oh. we're doing um, and all the fundraising we do with this demonstration, raffles of readings, lectures, any way I can do anything. And luckily I have lots of friends who are willing to help and lots of mediums whose lives have been touched. So, you know, bit by bit, Mavis is a huge, you know, backer of the project. Um, so, you know, and, uh, it is in that what's called the burnt over district of upstate New York, the Mormons, the Quakers, you know, the suffragettes, spiritualists. Um, there's something that has to do with the ley lines and the water as it runs through that part of New York state. It's been documented. So, you know, spiritual revolutions don't tend to, you know, stop. They've continued to evolve. So why wouldn't something else evolve out of this area? So we'll be listening and waiting. Um, and part of the journey. It's beautiful up there. Really, it's a beautiful area in New oh, York State. Wow. So it's been an interesting, you know, aspect. But for those people, you know, um, who really kind of question, is there something to this? And I was just getting my hair done this morning, and and the woman was having a bit of a tough day, and she said, "Do you really, really, do you really, really believe that life goes on?" Hmm. And I said, "More than ever," I said, because, you know. You know, when I first started this and looked at, okay, so I can talk to, I can bring through someone's loved one. You know, we now have neuroscientists who have had near-death experiences. Yeah. We've had people like Raymond Moody who have documented, you know, deathbed visions and visitations by loved ones. We have other doctors who meet five-year-olds who say, that's not my mom. She lives in another village and this is what, you know, her name is and this is the scar that's on her body. There's so many other ways that there's, you know, validation of this whole belief system that just supports the whole underpinning of what we believe, you know. Um, so I can say even with more, you know, you know, of a conviction that 
I, I absolutely do believe. And in my own heart of hearing that voice, you know, if you start to tend that interior world, which we all have, you know, um, you can stimulate that for your own life, I have to say. Or like with my mom, you know, it, it, you know, Thomas Edison was working on a black box that was going to talk to his deceased grandmother. And I hope somebody finishes it because I would love to hear my mother's little Polish voice over a phone call. You know? <laughs> but but yeah. until then, every day I talk to my mom, I keep alive a relationship with her. Well, you know, Dr. Gary Schwartz appears to be getting close to that with his soul phone. We'll we'll see how that unfolds. It's these are amazing times. If, if the evidence brings it forward, you know. So, yeah. unfortunately, that, within the whole of the movement, there are people who are, you know, um, even locally here that don't come from an evidential place, or you know, um, it, it's a big world, and there's a lot of new age aspects of things that or a big bit out there for me, I have to say, and God bless everybody, I have to say, you know, um, <laughs> but my, my field of focus is evidential mediumship, I have to say, in, in a really sacred, honorable way, because it, it should be that significant. It, it should not be what we see with TV celebrity or, um, you know, what's the bigger wow thing we could do on TV, so this mm -hmm. looks incredibly ridiculous, or even, you know, it, it, one thing Arthur Finley College taught me, and I really respect it, um, Dr. Morris Grove and Archie Roy, you know, they, there's all these ghost hunter shows and be, people being scared. And people would come to my house by Lilydale and say, can we take a picture of the house? We're hoping to catch a ghost, you know, in the picture. And I'm like, why does it need to be a ghost? Why can't it be the lady that lived here who just comes back to visit this house because she loved it? Yeah. Why do we have to continue to feed the old knowledge of, you know, what was old knowledge, you know? And people recently here, just in the last week, there was a young boy um, in, a, in a church who they were trying to depossess the seven-year-old boy, and he died, you know? And, and that is old, scary knowledge, you know? Back mm -hmm. in the beginning of time, before they knew what mental illness was, when someone acted out, they said, you're possessed, she's possessed, you know. We have new knowledge, you know. Um, it, it, there's got to be an intelligence that moves forward in time with new knowledge, and that's what I love about, you know, to me, um, what we do here and, and certainly what I believe about, you know, the involvement as this moves forward, you know, because uh, yeah. it is significant. It certainly changes your way of life um, and your experience of walking through this lifetime. Well, you taught me that, and, and I'm a walking example of that because it certainly changed my life, starting with you saying you can do this too. So, and now I say that to other people, you can do this too. We all are souls. We're connecting soul to soul. So I tell everybody, anybody can learn to be a medium. And so what is your thought on that? Can anyone be a medium? I believe everyone has aspects by their very birthright. By your birthright of being a spirit in the soul, you are mediumistic. But just like I believe some people, and I've heard you use this quote, can play piano and some people are concert pianists, um, I believe the best mediums are born. Um, there's just a configuration to them. Um, there are some that just evolve like the cream to the top. And I think it's just the makeup of them, I have to say. But I, I have no doubt that everybody, because of their birthright, has some mediumistic aspects. 
um, and if they choose to develop it, can to develop it to different levels. I have to say. So, so <laughs> what what would you say is this maybe the single most important thing that people listening to do today can do to enhance their connection with spirit? Develop an interior life. Um, pull away from the material world. Um, because even one of the greatest aspects of my mediumship is that when you enter that level of awareness, um, you know, of attuning to another world, I have to say, it makes you even more aware of um, the incredible power of other things on the planet that we miss, you know. Um, not too long ago, uh, Dame Judy Dench from England said that she listens to trees that talk to other trees. Mm. She's been doing that for a very long time. You know, or people that have pets and, you, you know, if you have a pet, you can sense what they're thinking, you know. Um, I, I think it just changes your walk through this experience. And when you kind of pull into this interior world and spiritualize your life, it changes the whole of the experience. Um, and yeah. I think it's and, profound. And, well, yeah, um, I just, you you're just making me think, Janet, that, you know, that's even harder to do now than it was when I first met you with the advent of cell phones and every, how much we use them now in social media. Last night, Ty and I went to a concert, and we were told that if we anybody's caught using their cell phone, they're going to eject you from the whole con concert venue. So we went in without our phones, and it's so unusual to sit with 15 minutes to wait and not look at your phone. And it, it just used, I used that time to just go within. And how many people do that now? Yeah, but but I think people are waking up more to that because I think you get this illusion with uh, just living in a material world on a material level, you know. And it's not about religion. It's about a personal spirituality, you know. Spiritualism was never supposed to be about just talking to the dead. It's how do you live, you know. If, if you are going to go on, what you do with this lifetime is even more important than you thought before, you know. Um, and, you know, this level of personal responsibility, this thing of, you know, they used to say, oh, the devil made you do it. You know, uh, the devil doesn't make you do anything. You're accountable for everything. So how you live is so much more important, I have to say, because you can progress your soul when you move to the other side or you can begin to do it while you're here. And we encourage you to do it while you're here. But, you know. And I, you know, if you go to the journey within, uh, we have a YouTube button and there's a meditation there called the upper room and it's for you. It's a meeting room for you to speak with your loved ones for yourself, I have to say. Now, energy is different. Some days you'll feel it's a strong link. Some days it's, it's not so strong. Energy is different for mediums every day. But every day I put an effort into continuing my relationship with my mother because I adored my mother, I have to mm. say. Um, you know, she was a very strong woman in difficult circumstances. But through that, you know, and ancestrally in history, I mean, there's just been such great souls that have walked the planet, whether that be Mary, Mother of God, and who you're devoted to, or your own grandmother, or someone that inspires you, I have to say, you know, just to come great writers as they go away into the quiet of just writing their books or into nature, I have to say, you know. You attend the spiritual garden within yourself and you realize it feeds you, you know, um, particularly in your times of need. It's, it's a place that can feed you, you know. Yeah. So you've got to make peace with yourself first within yourself, I have to say. And just your whole awareness of this whole spiritual experience, you know, shifts. And 
the material world may leave you disappointed on a lot of levels, which there's no doubt it does, I have to say. But, you know, just to be kind, I have to say, just to go out of your way to try and grow a little every day, which is a big challenge, including for me, you know. Um, We're not... Not, we're not angelic, I have to say, but I will say this. Um, I think back in biblical times when people, it was okay to say we saw angels or, you know, they were always painting the angels with halos. I think a lot of those people were just deceased loved ones and it was not okay to say it then. Hmm. You know, um, it was okay to say an angel visited you, but it was not okay to say your grandmother visited you. You know, we've evolved now. Things continue to evolve. So, as chaotic as the planet seems, uh, you know, someone once said to me, you know, before the concert plays, before an orchestra plays, when they're tuning up, it sounds like chaos. And the planet feels that way. But then the music comes, you know. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, but to develop an interior spiritual world and to heal your life um, and then to, you know, attune to the, a presence of an unseen world, you know, that can help you navigate this life, you know, I think is is key and essential to the spirit and soul aspect of, you know, a life on this planet. I love that analogy. If we're we're all just tuning up right now before the beautiful music plays, but Janet, you so here you are a medium, and I remember when I interviewed you for your autobiography, your mom was. Um, not well, and she's now crossed the veil, and you're a medium. Tell us about your relationship with your own mom now since she's passed. Well, it's interesting because we have a lot of student mediums here. You know, I meet a lot of mediums. So before my mom passed, I said, Mama, we're going to have to come up with some really, really different signs because if they come (laughs) up with this, then I know they really got you. So I did that, you know. Um, But, you know, we feel her presence, and amongst my siblings who all believe, you know, one will call and say, God, mama gave me this kiss last night, or, you know, I just feel her presence at different times. You know, when we're cooking something, I've got a huge picture of my mom in, in my uh, kind of living room there. And we'll say, mama, does it need some more oxygen or not? You know, <laughs> um, she's just still part of the conversation. She's alive in my heart and I'm going to treat it that way till I see her again. You know, Perfect and, advice and for so all awesome. of you listening. Now, Janet, in, yeah. in another thing, I remember in your, in your book, in your story, you said that your mother was afraid that if she crossed the veil, she'd have to meet up with your father again. Is, do I have that right? Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And and she was did she, she was petrified. And has have you had any communication about that? Um, actually, um, if uh, I just tell the story briefly, my mom was going to have open heart surgery, and she didn't want to do it because if she died, she felt she would meet my father who had battered her. And through that surgery and her recovery, she came and she said to me, you know, I met your father. He came for me. And I told him, I'm not going with you. So she got some power back before she died. Mm -hmm. So I cannot tell you that my mother's passing was anything except for brutally hard. It was a very hard experience for her and everyone present, I have mm. to say. But my sense sitting there as a medium, because I was there, you know, for days, yeah. I just think, before she passed, my sense of being there is I saw them come for her. So, you know, and I know she would move on to healing, you know. Yeah. But she was a, is and was a very courageous woman. So, 
That's so, so comforting uh, for all of us to hear, you know, that not every passing is easy. It's not like yeah. every childbirth is easy. And so it's beautiful to know what we know that, that ultimately all is well. Yeah. And it, it's tough, you know, people, people lose children. Nothing is going to heal that, you know, you do the best you can to get up every day and go on. And some days you get back, knocked back down again, but you know, you to have loved, you know, sometimes we hurt in this way and uh, it's remarkable what people try and get back up and do, you know, people that lose children here and then go create foundations or the lady here who lost her only son who raises money to put other kids in drug addiction, you know, and and they do this in honor of those children, you know. So mm -hmm. um, these are hard things to live with. Life is not easy, I have to say. But, but you've yeah, shown thousands of people that they're still with us, and that's what yeah. makes your work so special. I do believe <laughs> you, you, you've shown me we go beyond belief to knowing there's no doubt when you sit through one of Janet's demonstrations she's just amazing wonderfully evidential and you do it with such joy and respect and sacredness I love that about you so I really thank you for coming on the show and everybody encourage you to check out JanetNohavik.com Janet it's so exciting to hear about your projects and I just hold the vision of the funds for your church and your second church and the healing temple in New York to just continue to flow in. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. And so people can still come to your services with about 20 seconds to go here each Sunday in New Jersey, correct? In New Jersey and in New York. And in New York. Okay. Well, in New Jersey via, via online too. So we'll be the oh, live stream. With excellent. Catch it online. Terrific. Well, thanks for your time, Janet. I hope everybody enjoyed your time with us as much as I did. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Hey, it's Radley Valentine. Join me for a brand new way of connecting with your angels on my new podcast, The Angel Tarot Show. Each week, you'll meet your angelic guides and guardians and find new ways to unlock unconditional love, tune into your intuitive abilities, and create the joy-filled life that, well, you've always wanted. Plus, you'll get a useful and timely energetic weather report, bringing you guidance for the coming week. Tap into the healing, hope, and guidance that's all around you on the Angel Tarot Show, exclusively on mindbodyspirit.fm.